This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jared of House Blackfire, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam, the young bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, the ghost of Harrenhal, Lord Nelson of the Long Isle, the mother of cats, Sir Joshua of House Ross, Lady Kendall of House Taylor, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Lady Aaron of House Hickman, Lady Juliana of House Stardman, Lady Kari of House Johnson, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lord Hunter the Foulmouthed, Captain of the Guard, Sir Ron of House Golson, Captain of the Guard, Lord Robert the Unfrozen of House Butler, Lord Paramount of Skagos Island, Captain of the Guard. Podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into Tyrion 9 of A Game of Thrones. And in the Maester study, we are covering the Inn at the Crossroads, which we frequent from time to time. We frequent it a lot, really. It's pretty much, it's, it is a, well, really is a central location. Yeah. Um, but man, I actually forgot that this chapter took place there until I was, you know, reading it and you had kind of reminded me. I was like, wait, 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 this is at the end of the crossroads? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Because in the show, it's like an encampment. You know, they're just kind of hanging out. But Right. Yeah, it's wild. We do kind of forget, you know, what how how important it is and it being a crossroads and the strategic location that uh, it provides someone who occupies it i guess is important mm-hmm. uh, we know that that's why tywin is is there and uh so yeah so there's like literally only like two subtle mentions that that's where they're at but uh pretty pretty interesting so we'll talk about that in the maestro study uh a bit more but uh how you been man man i'm good i uh i was on um I was on vacation there last week. You know, we were sometimes Sir Ezra and I record a little bit ahead of time. So we didn't record last week because we had recorded two episodes. Um, and, uh, man, I went to Vegas. Yeah, it was it was good. I saw a I saw some Game of Thrones slot machines. Did not play any because <laughs> uh, I'm not really big into uh, into gambling. Um, was the Uber we used was like a karaoke Uber. Did oh, I send you yeah. pictures of that? Yeah, you did. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was super cool. Super cool. Super cool. Um, it was awesome. So we have like the guy's number. So, um, uh, so like he's like, yeah, if you ever in Car- uh, Vegas again, hit me up. I was like, all right, man, I will. <laughs> so, um, yeah, awesome. just awesome. Yeah, that's cool. That's well, it's a, so you didn't hit it big, or are you just not telling me? Uh, what? No, I didn't. I un- I unfortunately did. I unfortunately did not. Uh, did not hit it hit it hit hit it big so okay well all right i guess we're gonna have to well we said if you if you hit it big anyways we're gonna keep podcasting so we're just gonna go to the next level but uh, yeah oh well absolutely oh and i do want to give um a shout out i'm just pulling it up here Mm -hmm. and um remember uh kate so if you're listening kate uh shout out you know i'm i'm a a talker you know and so (laughs) 
it, and so I was on the plane, and so you know, some people use that term like chatty Kathy, right? Like, oh, sometimes you get on a plane, you sit next to like a right. chatty Kathy. Yeah. Um. Well, so that's me, and then I was also sitting next to a woman who was also like, kind of, she's like, oh, I'm a really chatty person too. And so we talked the whole time, and um, she's uh, she really listens to a lot of podcasts, and so we kind of got into the subject, and so huh. anyway, I told her I'd give her a shout out. So there you go. That's awesome. I think uh, the individual also encouraged us in other. Um, aspects of the podcasting world if i remember you telling me that correctly but we'll get to that in a yeah second here. oh yep yep so uh but yeah okay cool glad glad that you were also at a concert last night weren't you went to a concert last night um ben folds and cake um <laughs> all right i'm quite un- quite unfamiliar with with both bands cake had like a hit in like the i think it was like 2002 okay um yeah. Huh. So yeah. it was, uh, yeah. That's was, cool. I mean, was, uh, from from what I heard, it was a couple unknown bands. It was Misty slash I wouldn't Rainy. say they're, I wouldn't say they're unknown. I just don't think they're like, they're not like enormous bands. Okay. Well, still fitting all in with the theme of, of Portland there. Bands kind of blowing up and then becoming yep. big and yeah. So that's cool. That's awesome, man. Um, well, I mean, I, I mean, so yeah. Sir Matt's been out doing, you know, he's, he's gone on vacation, he's doing all this fun stuff. Uh, Sir Ezra's just sitting over here, still in cat therapy, <laughs> you know, just. Yeah, I mean, how, 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 are the, how are the cats, man? They're getting bigger, man. They're, they're, they're running around. Uh, they're good. They're good. What are, have they been named yet? Yes, they were named. So uh, we have uh, Sophie and Peaches. So and peaches. Okay, so not Sophie and Sophie. Right. Yep. So we actually it was surprising too. So we got the first one automatically. We knew it was going to be Sophie. It, you know. So first one she saw was Sophie, and the next one uh, it took her about two seconds. My niece to kind of come up with the name. She's like, uh, peaches, and I was like, okay, cool, <laughs> cool. So Sophie and Peaches are on the back porch doing their thing right now. It's great. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, but yeah, other than that, I've been, uh, you know, twiddling my thumbs, reading book series, getting fired up for things to come. Mm-hmm. My gosh. I don't even know how to say this. I don't even know how to talk about this, but we just did a huge, a massive sort of, uh, I might as well call it what it is, business meeting, okay? A little podcast. Yeah, meeting. it happens. It yeah. happens, yeah. We sit around, we have our own council, and uh, it's, I imagine... Uh, you know, I don't know which which one we are in the scenario here, but you know, when Dunk's out riding around on his horse, uh, Thunder, uh, I just imagine he's having a, a you know a talk with his horse. So I don't know if I'm the mm-hmm. horse and you're Sir Dunk or what the deal is here, but <laughs> 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 we had a oh, it was a good chat, and we we were talking about uh, just direction, what we're doing. We're getting pumped, we're getting excited. Mm-hmm. I I honestly can't contain my excitement for one of the major decisions that we made in the last couple of weeks uh, in terms of yeah, podcasting. Um, yeah, Sir Ezra and I are working on our, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe-esque <laughs> timeline uh, for for things for things that are coming, you know, whether it's uh, content on this show or content on other shows that we're working um, on. And uh, we feel really, really good about where we're going because um, we've, uh, we've been talking a lot, you know, we're, this is today we're in Tyrion nine. There's like three chapters left at, in Oct- and it will be done with the first book um, at the end of the month. Yeah. So we've, we're like, you know, we need to kind of map out exactly 
what did it how we how we want to what we want to how we want to get into clash of kings what do we want to do um all that kind of stuff so we kind of have that uh coming stay tuned for that we have a raven's nest planned um so just a lot of content gonna be coming here shortly yeah kind of stay well, stay tuned unless unless you want to talk about it all right now sir ezra well i mean okay well <laughs> i mean i i kind of i kind of do just just a little this is we have a shorter chapter and uh, it's true. I'm throwing a curveball at Sir Matt here, and he knows it. Uh, but because because we just talked about it, it's fresh, and we're excited about it. Like there's so many things in a Song of Ice and Fire that we want to cover. We don't want to do just a cursory overview of stuff. I mean, like we could go so much deeper sometimes with the chapter. You know, we could talk about mm-hmm. the, for example, I, I I think it's next chapter. Uh, there's a when is it one of the mormont's raven is like pecking at an egg and and it cracks open an egg right and danny's danny's dragon eggs are gonna open up and then it's it's connections like that between chapters that we don't often talk about we we often are focused so much just in the chapter what happens inside that chapter and sometimes we make ties to other like distant chapters other books but i'm noticing that george puts things in order for a reason you know, he kind of puts those Danny chapters, uh, he, he spaces them out. He didn't just like randomly say, yeah, I'm going to spread this out and, and do it this way. Everything's connected for a reason. And so it's such a, there's just so much there that, that we want to go back to some stuff that we hadn't finished, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit. That's so true. That's some of what we were, we were looking at. Like we when you have unfinished business, it, it just weighs on your mind and you want to go back and you want to finish it. You want to be, so I mean, should we just go ahead and say it? What, yeah, our, what our plan ahead. is at yeah. this point? Okay. So here's, um, uh, so, so first and foremost, let me give an enormous shout out to the people in our, I know we do, we do this all the time. Um, but we have a lot of people in like in, in the group that are like, just help out with a lot of things like Lord Adam Parker, um, you know, and, and, and Maglam, you guys have really helped run kind of the, um, the Facebook page. You guys are running polls, stuff like that. It's great. You got, um, Sir, uh, you know, Robert over there mm-hmm. run, running like polls. And so, like, that's huge. That's been an enormous, enormous help. Like, because, you know, as the podcast gets bigger, there's just a lot more stuff. Yes, you sir. Know, and kind of, with the Discord chat. Right, ex- yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, that's awesome. So um, it's really cool. So one of the things we have kind of coming and we've, we've teased it a little bit, I think, on Instagram. Um, and I don't really want to, like, s- throw it all out because he's, like, going at his own pace. And that's awesome. Um, you know, Sir Sir Jimmy, uh, who's kind of working on our. Um, should I say it? Should yeah, I, say sh- it. Yeah. Okay. So he's kind of, he's kind of working on a website for us, and one of the things we've doing he's been doing a little bit of testing, and he's literally doing all this like on his own. He just hit us up and was like, "Hey guys, like, can I design a website for you?" We're like, "Absolutely." Yeah. Um. So like an enormous shout out to him because he's designing and he's like working on a feature um, to make it just easier to send a Raven. Like you can like, he like sent mm-hmm. it like through like the website that he's working on, um, which is really awesome. And so, you know, we, there's a lot of stuff that's being worked on right now. And so, you know, Sir Ezra and I kind of were sitting around thinking and we kind of did a map. We said, okay, so we're about to be done with uh, the first book, right? Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when exactly do we want to start Clash of Kings? Do we start right away? Um, we had tossed around the idea of, well, this is what I want to do. I'm just going to say it. Mm-hmm. I want to start Clash of Kings on uh, January 1st, which mm-hmm. I know seems like a ways away. 
but I just think a lot of people because we have we have so many people sending us ravens saying um, like I can't wait to like jump back into the books yeah right like and a lot of people are like you know I'll kind of wait until you start Clash of Kings and so on one hand I'm like well it's it's really far away mm-hmm. but on the other hand I'm also like it's also like the perfect time to start because yeah. you right now for a, I think a lot of those people that are like, Oh, I I can't wait to start the books. Like starting a book at the end of the year. Right. You know, that's and clash of Kings is, I think the second, just in terms of just how I think it runs. Yeah. Um, vast. I think it's, it's, I think it's, I would almost argue that clash of Kings is the hardest book to read. And just, just in my opinion, because, a Dance with Dragons and A Feast for Crows are, it's like one big book. Like, you really need to read it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I think they're actually easier to read than A Clash of Kings because, you know, you, you get, like, half the characters. So you really just see their arc. So it's a lot easier. Well, um, yeah. Whereas A Clash of Kings is enormous. A Clash of Kings was two seasons of the show. It was the only book that got multiple seasons. Yeah. Yeah, and can I just jump in real quick to help with the absolutely like like how it, it's it's almost like when you're in um, feast and dance, like you kind of stick with a character. You're not as you don't bounce away from a character for a long time and then come or to, to other character. You you're either in one place or you're you're in the other, and you see it's mm-hmm. it's not as hard to you don't get lost when you move from point of views. Uh, when you go from one point of view chapter to the next point of view chapter, and then it's like, when do you come back to the cha- the point of view chapter that you just read? When do you pick back up with John, for example, or or whoever? In in a, in a in a clash, people spread out. It's like the mo- people really start to spread out, and I know that they will continue to be spread out through the series. But this is where George takes his threads and just goes nuts. In these last four chapters, I mean, the references that he makes to yeah, uh, House Tyrell and. <laughs> And uh, the Baratheons, what's going on with them, the, 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 the rising of these kings, uh, a shadow binder coming in, all this kind of stuff. So now you have a huge Essos. Uh, we already had Danny there, but now we're right. getting talk of, of the free cities and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's well, I mean, to, and to well, and 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 think about this, too. I mean, you know, the White Walkers become a much bigger deal. You have the comet that sets everybody off talking. I mean, now it's like prophecy steps in. Right, yep. I mean, Melisandre and Stannis. It like, it's you. We it it go it goes from simply, um, you know, John just goes kind of to the wall, and like we only see the others in the first chapter, and then mm-hmm. he, he fights like he fights the one white, mm-hmm. um, and then I mean, it's really mostly like what's going on in King's Landing and the beginnings of war, whereas a Clash of Kings is all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, what I mean, you gotta it's, really it's, follow it's along. All, yeah, yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah, I mean, you've got characters like Patchface. You've got characters like, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, Arya's out, out on the lamb. Because a lot of characters were put together. You know, like Arya and Sansa were pretty much always together in right. uh, up until about like a chapter or two ago, you know. Um, but really, they're they're pretty much together. Or like they would be in Eddard chapters. Well, now it's like everybody, this is where it really kind of expands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so and so yeah so part of my thing is I just think I think for a lot of people starting a book during the holiday seasons is going to be hard. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, so I mean with, with that we're we're just thinking uh about going back to some unfinished business, right? Right. 
Exactly. That's another thing, too, is now it's like, are we ever going to have... The, we? If you guys remember many episodes ago, uh, it was about a year. It was I don't know how long ago was it when we kind of finished a world of ice and fire. Oh boy, uh, air quote finished a world of ice and fire. Yeah, because we didn't finish it. Um, it was last. It was definitely last year. Like, I think it was when Fire and Blood were coming out. Yeah, that's right. It was so. It was almost like fall. It was almost a year from now. Exactly, and so ago. we didn't actually finish World of Ice and Fire. We f- we finished all all of the everything in Westeros, but there's still quite a bit left. Um, so that was one thing we were talking about. We're like, you know, this would be a good opportunity to kind of finish up s- some of that World of Ice and Fire stuff. And um, it's not like we're just not posting content. We're definitely still posting episodes every week. Like we're so it's. It's 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 none of that, and we still have a we still have a few chapters to get through, and then we want to do um, a Raven's Nest. That's kind of like a recap of the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there's a lot of stuff to get geared on. So, there's still going to be episodes. There's just going to be chapters of Clash of Kings just yet. Yeah, we're just kind of holding off on that for a little bit. So, it's we're diving back into the World of Ice and Fire book possibly, and we're gonna head over to Essos and check out a few things there. And uh, basically do like a, a bigger maestro study. Uh, and then we will answer Ravens. It's almost like for the next uh, couple months, we're going to have follow up Friday back, except for we're going to be conducting all that through Ravens Nest uh, through well Ravens at the end of the show. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So really, it just means, hey, we're going to kind of do follow up Friday for a little bit here before as we get ready for Clash Kings. Yep. So I hope that I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that are like, yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 that's I'm I'm excited because we're going to get essentially the the show kind of if you were around when we did Follow Up Friday, people loved it because they got to hear their raven read and discussed on the right. show. Right. I mean, we we do so this we still do this at the end of the episodes. Um, but it was just an yes. entire episode dedicated to those. Right. So we go we're going to go from reading about one raven right now, we do about one to two a show, uh to five to six you yep. know it's sort of like depending on how many we have and even some of the old ones that we have kind of shelved and we've put stuff in a, a folder for clash of kings and uh we've got theory ravens we've got all sorts of stuff so we have a bunch already but we would love to um you know have you guys send us some and i think we should tell people like the day we record too because people like to send stuff in right before we we, mm-hmm. we, we, we record and they like they like to disrupt us it's you know true. what i mean like we well we've done comes in back like, when, oh, God, we used, we have to, to, do we used to record follow-up fridays on thursdays uh and then post yeah. and then post on fridays and there are, i think there's one or two follow-up fridays where somebody sent us a raven like as we were recording we we're just like okay well let's add it in um so we were yeah so exactly. now we record yeah. on well we've always recorded this episode like the main show um sunday mornings and so if you mm-hmm. want to get your raven read make sure to send it to us by at least sunday morning pacific time like 10 a.m pacific time whatever that is somewhere else yeah yeah um another thing we've thought about doing as well is sort of since that's the time that we we record and if we're shifting things a little bit one thing that i thought we would try is um we kind of have this this like a pre-show chat where it's just we're just kind of i'll just say it we're just shooting the shit you know we're just kind of getting ready for stuff and and some people wanted to hop into discord and listen to that and stuff so we might start posting our actual record times and let you guys come and just uh listen in and um it's another way to influence the show if you've got extra thoughts on the region that we're covering in essos 
or if you've got just thoughts on the Raven that's being read, uh, things like that. It's it's kind of a neat way for you to to hear what's happening. It's not it's not the best quality because uh, my internet sucks <laughs> right now, but you know it would still be, be kind of fun fun way to interact and things. So yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, it really, uh, Sir Matt, the big news, and uh, yeah, this is I'm just gonna read this. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna oh, read it. I, I I want the realm to know. I, I I want the realm to know. Okay, quote. Let the dragon ride again on the winds of time, end quote. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I just want it to be known. Uh, It's quoted. If you want some more teaser stuff, if you're wondering what's going on with Sir Matt and Sir Ezra, go check out uh, Twitter. Uh, Head over to Twitter. You can find uh, me at WompRat underscore 2M, and you can find Sir Matt at SuperGainsBros. So we've got some teasing mm-hmm. going on out there mm-hmm. so that's all i'm gonna say Woo. all right man <laughs> all right where do we go from here uh, i think we <laughs> hey i think we just uh well there's not really there's not really much news going on um so and i think we just kind of hit small council so i say we just go jump right into it because we do have a large raven uh to read so Okay, sweet. Okay, awesome. Let's. Uh, so real quickly, I said we would we, in the Maester study we would kind of talk about the end of the crossroads. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, just briefly, just briefly. So, it we uh, we know it's a place that we frequent. Uh, it is. If you want to know where it's at, location wise. So, in this chapter, I always like to tie it in here. Um, Tywin is trying to figure out whether he he goes back to the rock or does he go down to King's Landing or where does he go? Uh, does he go to Harrenhal? Uh, what's, what's the plan? So that's, he's looking at different locations, uh, and, and trying to, trying to figure out what to do. Harrenhal is a cursed place, right? They don't really want to go, uh, there. Some people don't want, want him to go there. Uh, so they, they try to dissuade him, but the end of the crossroads is just North of Harrenhal. If you want that for reference, North of the, um, God's eye and, uh, and what have you. And it's, kind of uh let's see it's just east of um river run and so when you look at the battle of the camps and you look at all these different uh battles that took place at the, at the green fork it's interesting to see how the young wolf kind of outmaneuvered uh tywin in this you know and how he was able to keep uh him him i guess focused i mean jamie had no clue that, that what was coming and then tywin's kind of you know chilling out there looking for an, for a force coming down the king's road uh that doesn't actually come down the king's road um so it's just an interesting it's interesting when you when you on a map put these individuals and these characters down and sort of see where their armies are but so it, it lies between uh the end of the crossroads or crossroad inn is an inn that lies at the crossroads between the king's road running north uh south uh the river road west through the Westlands, I'm sorry, through the Riverlands to the Westlands and the High Road uh, east to the Vale of Arryn. Uh, so, so there you go. So you've got the High Road going to the east over to to, to the Vale, and then you've got the West Road, uh, which is which is the, or the River Road, which is heading west to the Riverlands. So kind of those big highways, if you will, in uh, in Westeros. So it's sometimes called the Old Inn and was formerly named the Two Crowns, um, the Bellringer Inn, the Clanking Dragon, and the River Inn. So there's some history to it. Uh, there, there's some stuff, you know, during the uh, it's it's in the Blackfire 
It's in Rebellion. It's in Duncan Edge there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's it's been around for a long time and has has quite a an, an interesting history. Um, let's see. The inn has existed for at this spot, anyways, for hundreds of years. The current inn was raised during the reign of King Jaehaerys, uh, the first who built the King's Road. So we talked about all the accomplishments when we were doing. Um, a World of Ice and Fire, and then even more so when we did Fire and Blood, we got huge chapters on Jaehaerys, the old king, and we learned a lot about what happened during his reign. Because remember, it was one paragraph or whatever in uh, in A World of Ice and Fire, but then we got much more. So, yeah, he and Queen Alysanne uh, Targaryen stayed there, and the inn was named the Two Crowns uh, in their honor. After one of the innkeeps built the Bell Tower, the name was changed to the Bell Ring Inn. Uh, the inn eventually passed into the hands of uh, Long John uh, Heddle, or Heddle, mm-hmm. however you say it, uh, a knight who had been crippled. John, who uh, John, who who'd taken up uh, ironworking in the in his old age, forged a new sign to hang in the yard: um, a three-headed black iron dragon. The inn be, uh, became known as the Clanking Dragon for the noise the sound made in. The win. So there's a little bit of the evolution of, of how its name has changed over time. It's always been at this spot, but it's come under different ownership and uh, has, has therefore gotten different names. Uh, the inn became known as the River Inn uh, since the trident flowed beneath its back door and uh, half its rooms were built out over the water. It was said that the inn's guest could throw a line out their window and catch fish. There was also a ferry landing at the end where travelers could cross uh, over to Lord Haraway's town and to White Walls. So, yeah, I mean, interesting. Masha um, is, is the owner when we start a Game of Thrones. We know what happens to her. We've seen her uh, in, when, when uh, Tyrion showed up here. Originally, he saw that she had been hung outside basically for allowing... Um, I mean, Tywin does this because Tyrion was taken yeah. right there by Catelyn. Well, you, know, you know, it's interesting to think. I, I was just kind of thinking about it as you were reading there. Um, you know, how the inn has never actually almost become its own sort of a keep. Uh, because of its central location, you'd have to think that a lot of money would pass through that location. And so that the owners, yeah. you know, at some point would, you know, get involved in like the Game of Thrones and... I mean, you look at somebody like Littlefinger who's able to rise up, you know, like his his family. He talks about his dad a little bit, but um, like essentially, you know, guys that rise up from nothing. Here you have a central mm-hmm. inn that clearly looks like it makes a lot of money because when Catelyn um, is there, when she sees his Tyrion, like the place is full. And so you would you would just mm-hmm. kind of think that it's it, owning that inn would bring you a lot of gold at some point, but maybe its central location too means you're engaged in a lot of uh, skirmishes and, and unnecessarily. Well, that's exactly what it is. I mean, you have someone here. Uh, this is I think it's later on in the series. Um, yeah, uh, his name is Heil, talking to Maribald. Says that uh, he says I'd, I've never dreamed that keeping an inn could be so dangerous, so deadly dangerous. Um, and the reply is, it's been it's being common born that is dangerous when the great lords play their Game of Thrones. So as you say, there's a Game of Thrones is being played around the inn, and so uh, you get people being uh, yeah. It's it, the ownership right. keeps transferring, right? And you, no one can really ever get ahead. It kind of sucks. But 
yeah, it's just interesting that it's there and that you have this crossroad and uh, you think about how people travel in, in Westeros and these are major roads, big, important roads where, where people will, uh, that we'll use to kind of get to different regions. So, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I'm right there with you too. I just think it must just change hands so often that nobody's ever able to really make any, make any money off of it. Yeah. So, okay. Well, yep. uh, this week we are into Tyrion nine, um, news of Rob Stark's victory at river run prompts, uh, vigorous debate amongst the Lannister officers. After dismissing the officers, Lord Tywin details their precarious position to Tyrion and dispatches him to King's Landing to serve as the acting hand of the king and keep Joffrey from uh, ru- uh, ruining them all. In spite of his father's direct command, Tyrion intends to bring Shay with him. So, jeez. <laughs> Last... Yeah, the last time we were with Tyrion, um, Tyrion 8 was where he was assigned with the clansmen and they uh, fought uh, the battle where they found out that Rob Stark had tricked them. So not too long ago that we have uh, been in a Tyrion chapter, but um, I do just love the single opening line of this chapter because it really just sets the tone. They have my son, Tywin Lannister said. Yep. Which is almost immediately followed by one of your sons, Tyrion thought. Yeah, exactly. Well, and oh dude, it's it's like so Tywin says that one line, they have my son. And then he sits there and he doesn't speak. Mm-hmm. He is silent. Yeah. Everyone's talk everyone's right? talking. And Tyrion, it's it's there's a there's a there's a you know, there's a chapter or there's a oh, uh, there's a um there's a line here by by Tyrion um a, a little bit later where he talks about you know everyone's talking and Tyrion talks about how his father isn't and that he's just observing and that Tyrion tries to do the same thing mhm yeah he does and he's 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 he has taken in the past i guess lessons from his father he knows he's he's a smart individual he knows that his father is um has a lot to offer and and even though he despises him for some of his treatment early on there's a lot to be learned from Tywin. Mm-hmm. He's one of the great lords, and he's a great commander, uh, a great ruler, if you will, when he was handed the king. So, yeah, he's he's looking at his father, trying to emulate a little bit of what he's, he, you know, he's doing here and, and listening. He likes to often listen to others yeah. uh, before he then gives his own counsel and advice, and that's what Tywin is doing. But I think he's also just sitting here kind of listening to all of this babble going on around him. And really what happens during this time is that Tyrion, I think, says a couple things that elevate him in his father's Absolutely. eyes. Now, yeah, you, you could just say, well, it's simply because jamie has been captured that he's looking at Tyrion in a different light. But he points out some pretty obvious things that other people are, are missing and, and, uh, and kind of gets to, gets to the core of this with the turmoil and what's happening in King's Landing. They are in a position they're not in a position where they can bargain and, and sue for peace and things like that uh that which is what they would need to do here mm-hmm. uh because of, of the capture of, of jamie lannister and so the fact that that Tyrion can see that is i think impressive or important to tywin uh so but anyways yeah let's we can kind of run through some of what these other lords uh, are talking about as they sit around the uh the table here and they all voice their opinions right yeah You've got um, 
Well, I just, uh, let me see here. I don't uh, Well, you do have that line here really quick. Uh, Tyrion might, uh, Tyrion thought he'd rather wish not be at this in again. Um, oh, yeah. Right. So that, that reference again to the crossroads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being back. Yeah. There. How could this, ha- yeah. Nice how surprise. could this happen? Sir Horace Swift moaned. How? Even after whispering wood, you had River uh, run ringed in iron, surrounded by a great host. What madness made Sir Jamie decide to split his men into three separate camps? Surely he knew how vulnerable they would leave them. Uh, you know, better better than you, you chinless craven, Tyrion thought. Um, you know, Jamie might have lost River Run, but it angered him to hear his brothers slandered by the likes of Swift, a shameless lickspittle whose greatest accomplishment was marrying his equally chinless daughter to Sir Kevin and thereby attaching himself to the Lannisters. Yeah, so you start you start you start yeah. to see a little bit about who like who the people are that um are are really kind of the the higher ups in this in this uh this camp here you know with with tywin and it it does all it does always seem like his the people around him are are pretty foolish yeah um maybe yeah and that's really so maybe it's just by comparison because tywin is so great right and 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 and, and, or that it seems like or it's just maybe they just are they just are like it seems like like even kevin lannister um, just sometimes seems like an idiot. Yeah, and it, well, and he doesn't have the same ambition, I don't think, as as Tywin, but he is one of the only people that he keeps in the room, and I don't think he keeps uh, Sir Kevin just because he's his brother. Maybe you, I guess you could say, well, it's just it's close family; it's a close family matter, uh, and he's keeping a, a closer counsel on what he wants to do. But when he dismisses everybody, it's like he. He pays no mind to anything that they said. I mean, Sir Kevin actually kind of rebukes um, uh, Sir Harry's because he knows that that is the only way you could have surrounded um, River Run. Is that if he said if you knew the lay of the land, if you understood what the Tullys do at River Run when they are kind of when they see a threat, they've created a moat. This this huge moat. They've got these these rivers coming in here, so you have to split your army. So he shows he's competent there, um, but he's just he's completely different. You're right in in regards to um, just I don't know, personality, I guess. With when you, when, you, when you compare him to Tywin, so but uh, yeah, because because he, he he definitely scolds um, Sir Harry's. Yeah. As he should, because Jamie knows what he's yeah. doing. And and I mean, even Kevin here says he he would have done the same thing as Jamie. Said I would have done the same thing. His uncle responded, uh, a great more deal calmly than than Tyrion might have. You have never seen River Run, Sir Harry's, or you would know that Jamie had little choice in the matter. The castle matter. The castle is situated at the end of the point of land where the tumblestone flows into the Red Fork of the Trident. The rivers form two sides of a triangle, and when danger threatens, the Tullys open their um, you know, their gates up upstream to create a wide moat on the third side, turning River Run into an island. The walls rise sheer um, from the water, and from their towers, the defenders have a commanding view of the opposite shores for many leagues around. To cut off all the approaches, a besieger must need place one camp north of the Tumblestone, one south of the Red Fork, and the third between the rivers west of the moat. There is no other way. And remember, mm-hmm. you know, remember yeah. if you remember a couple chapters ago, they say at least we still have River Run. 
right? It was we have that we have River Run is what yeah. you know, like the Rob yeah. was Robin and and them were saying. Yeah, because River Run is it it, it is. It's a, it'd be it's almost impossible to uh to get into. Yeah. Well and they, they have stock there to kind of um they can withstand uh this this uh encampment or what have you. I mean they 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 could stay there. I think it says at one point like over a year that they have plenty of stores to kind of outlast mm-hmm. um Oh yeah. Whatever army Absolutely, would be outside yeah. their gates, yeah. Now something that's kinda cool and it's a I think it's a chapter or two away, but Hoster Tully actually says that he they, they put him out where uh up on the uh, up on a high place, I forget where it's at. Either outside of his on, on his balcony, or maybe he went down to the guard post. But he gets to watch that battle, and it gave him kind of great mm-hmm. joy to see uh, that the Lannisters were getting getting just getting routed, routed by yeah. his grandson. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. But uh, man, it's the Mountain who actually kind of talks about their outriders. Did they see nothing? Right. Were they blind? You know, like why why didn't they see this? They it's um they they, they kind of explain it as in. Mark Piper was, it was they. This is what Brendan said they should do. Bre- Brendan um, Blackfish said that Piper had been raiding. There was a th- they knew that there was a raiding party and it was kind of cutting off. It was hitting some of their supply lines, uh, and so they thought that this small little um, attack that took place by the Starks uh, was Mark Piper again and his men, and they were luring uh, Jamie Lannister out to capture him. That's exactly what they did. So, but he, they kind of explained that the outriders were vanishing and, uh, they thought that that was Mark Piper's work that they hadn't seen them coming back. And it's sort of like, well, if they're vanishing something, you know, they, right. Something's something's up. I mean, they were vanishing before the star coast got there, I, I guess is what they're trying to say. So when the, when other vanishings continued to happen, they didn't really think much of it, but, I don't know. It's it's uh, something Tywin does at the end of this chapter is is basically say that we're gonna. It's not just one outrider. We're gonna have four in in groups together. So it's like, if if a, if if one outrider vanishes, and they saw the entire host, all that information doesn't get back to camp. If you had four and they take three, but one was able, the the three can fight, so the other one can can run back to the camp and kind of let people know like what we saw then that's more important. It's kind of what the mountain tries to say here, right? And, and kind of tries to mm-hmm. reiterate. So Because that they would have seen this host coming and they could have prepared for it. But uh, the, when your outrider vanishes like that, you have no clue. You can assume that it, he, vanished, he vanished just because he came across Mark Piper, but you have, no, you have no real proof of that. So you're assuming something. And that's, that's tough. When you start losing outriders, that's a problem. You need to go investigate it. And maybe they did originally, and they they just determined that it was Piper's men. But I mean, as time goes on, you got to you, you can't just do one investigation. You got to keep looking. You got to keep checking in on it. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Do you do you like do you like what the uh, mountains' response is here? Yeah, <laughs> you know, cut cut out the eyes and give them to the next one. So he you tell him that you that four eyes might be better than two, and if not, the man after him will have six. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the mountain just yeah gruesome dude. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, scaring the daylights out of him. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, um, but he's he is he's smart. You know, we always think of him as being uh, this big brawny, just 
ruthless dude, but he's also very yeah. And cunning. then right yeah, he right after be. it says, you know, Lord Tywin Lannister turned his face to study Sir Gregor, saw a glimmer of gold as the light shone off uh, his father's pupils, but he could not have said whether the look was one of approval or disgust. Mm-hmm. It's probably both. Yeah, probably a little bit of both, right? It's probably both. It's sort of he sees the monster, but he also sees yeah, that's a man who knows what he's doing. Uh, that's somebody. That's that's somebody like I can trust uh, on his own. And it's it sucks because it's kind of like Jamie does kind of lose in that regard. He doesn't keep a good watch. Uh, he is outsmarted. He is outmaneuvered completely. And that's what I think is so cool for people who love. You know, the Starks, I mean, your brother right. is, is not happy about this move, but people who are Stark loyalists are, you know, pumped that uh, that Rob is able to do this and, and uh, outwit the Kingslayer. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, a, great, so, it was a great maneuver. It was a great great idea. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you hear, it says, uh, you said they came at night. You know, as you said, the Blackfish led the van, cutting down our sentries and clearing away the Palisades. Because um, the Blackfish is... Uh, boss just you know, just just get, yeah. get 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 our daily uh who, who's a boss and who's who's no slouch in there yeah yeah uh, de- yeah, <laughs> def- yeah definitely uh what he is there so um you know there's a little bit more back and forth here and um you know some more people talking you have lord brax here um lord uh sorry uh my lord the messenger said lord brax was clad in plate and mail when his uh it was raft over was overturned he was uh very gallant he was a fool lord Tyrion thought you know um yeah swirling his cup and staring well, down into the whiny depths uh crossing a river at night on a crude raft wearing armor with an enemy waiting at the other side if that was gallantry he would take cowardice over every time yeah i mean that's his son that's his son who's mm-hmm. asking i guess right about his father and that sucks but uh well, and really, I don't know, to his defense, when you go back and you look at, like, they're they're trying to preserve some of their army. So when you're overrun like that, yeah, you've got to, you've got to try to retreat and get your, get your force reestablished. So maybe that's sort of what he was doing, but he's an idiot for um, making his own craft. And he, he, he did just float right into the enemy's hands. Um, so anyways, yeah, they're, they're in a really vulnerable spot there, but... Yeah, T- Tyrion's just inner thoughts. This whole chapter, you know, you're a fool, uh, you're a chinless craven. You know, that's that's sort of a uh, what he thinks about these individuals uh, who are sitting around his father's table. And uh, yeah, God save us, Lord Lefferts swore. Uh, quote: Great John Umber fired the siege towers we were building. Uh, Lord Blackwood found Sir Edmure Tully in chains among the other captives and made off with them all. Our south camp was under the command um, of Sir uh, Prestard. Uh, he retreated in good order when he saw that the other camps were lost. Uh, so, yeah. Um, uh, this is where the Tyrashi sellswords kind of betray them, too. That's another big piece, right? Jamie was, was trusting in them, and he's been warned before that that uh to not use sell swords essentially because they'll sell their sword to the highest you know individual if they see that the the war is turning or the fight is turning against them they're going to kind of save their own skin right got to live another day and and um they they really don't owe the lannisters anything i mean at that 
they, they're just gonna right you know right off and it's and, interesting uh, because um we didn't see it in season eight but a lot of people believe that the golden company may actually betray cersei down the line and so it's like oh you know here's another scenario where something similar is is happening right and what's weird is that you have some companies who are known to keep their contract and who don't um turn tail and run so but this time this this tairashi uh sellsword definitely does and that's uh really upsetting to to sir kevin um but yeah i mean that's that's a lot of foreshadowing for what's going to happen later on with, uh, you know, Danny trusting them. I mean, do you trust them? Does young Griff t- trust them? I mean, it's, it's, it's the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now they're, they're trying to come up with a, a plan here. You know, what do you do? Right. Because, um, Jamie's host is essentially gone. It's destroyed. Uh, there's remnants of it maybe running around trying to, you know, trying to, uh, evade capture or whatever from, from the star coast. But, they're looking for maybe peace, possibly. Are they trying to now that now they're thinking about peace because they have uh, Jamie Lannister, and they seem to be pinned in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they got. I mean, they got. They got to come up with something. They got to come up with with, yeah. with some kind of some kind of a plan here. Um, I mean, even though so Sir Adam says you know two battles don't make a war, but it's sort of like. I don't know. I mean, they you're completely in these two battles. Yes, it's Tywin has some a bit of a, a win here, but uh Lord Bolton is is just he's cunning. He's not going to risk his whole force. And so he does he just does he does what he was supposed to do. I mean, he does sort of like keep Tywin interested in battle and keep him thinking that they're going to have a a big fight there and he retreats and pulls his force back and saves a lot. So there's still a force just north of where Tywin's at. And now you have River Run completely a large host there uh, would definitely outnumbers them. Actually, they think they say at the end of this that the the combination of River Run and 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 the North, I mean, that they outnumber the Lannisters, right? That they mm-hmm. they they're concerned because of that, just just in numbers. Yeah. And then you know, right here is kind of Tyrion's kind of famous uh, one of his you know famous kind of scenes here. Um, you know, I'm sure we all great uh, Sir Adam. Marbrand said, I'm sure we are all grateful uh, to you for pointing out the obvious, Sir Horace. Um, the question is, what shall we do about it? What can we do? Jamie's host is all slaughtered or taken or put to f- uh, flight, and the Starks and the Tully sit squarely across our line of supplies. We are cut off from the West. They can march on Casterly Rock if they so choose. And what's to stop them, my lords? We are beaten. We must sue for peace. Peace, Tyrion swirled mm-hmm. his wine thoughtfully, took a deep draft, and hurled his empty cup to the floor, where it shattered into a thousand pieces. There's your peace. Uh, you know, my sweet nephew broke it for good when and all when he decided to ornament the Red Keep with Lord Eddard's head. You'll have an easier time drinking wine from that cup than you will convincing Rob Stark to make peace now. He's winning, or hadn't you noticed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, yep. yeah, it's yeah. you know, it's it's. I mean, it's interesting. So you know, I mean, now you know, you, you look at it, and man, just like a chapter or two ago, they would they would have been would have been fine. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, Joffrey has completely jacked that up and 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 screwed that up. I which mean, is why I think, which I think yeah. is a big reason why Tywin sends Tyrion. Yeah, it's the main reason. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a, he's he's his son, and he show, he's he's kind of showing here in this conversation that he understands he can, he can cut to the core of of what um, 
uh, what, what the what well why their situation is so much right. worse than it than it should be. It shouldn't be this worse. I mean, even though you lose one battle, and all of a sudden now you've you've lost the war. Well, it's because you have no bargaining chips. You've lost other pieces due to incompetence down in King's Landing. Uh, so there you go. And it's like something that that Sir Adam actually mentions here that they talk about the idea of um, ransoming, uh, trying to use the uh, Stark girls. Yeah. And he basically says like they, you know, that's they'd be foolish to accept the lives of two, two girls for a great battle commander. Well, I know someone who well, I think they would. I, I mean, you know, they don't they don't know that, but that's exactly what Catelyn Stark would do. That's what she would do. And I I wonder, though, because there's a John chapter coming up here soon where he wonders what Rob would do about certain things. You know, I think we think Rob would take them back and would maybe make the trade, but I'm not so sure, actually, because he basically, well, we'll get to that next, uh, right, in, in a couple chapters about what he thinks needs to be done and his whole purpose now is is to is to basically uh kill joffrey <laughs> you know like he's he's done with uh with with the lannisters so but yeah you're right so they they think it's something that they wouldn't go for catelyn definitely would and uh that's all the problem really absolutely yeah i mean absolutely yeah. so um, but anyways, this goes on for a little bit, and then uh, Lord Tywin rose to his feet. They have my son, he said once more, in a voice that cut through the babble like a sword um, through a suit. Mm-hmm. Leave me, all of you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ever the soul of obedience, Tyrion rose to depart with the rest, but his father gave him a look. Not you, Tyrion. You know, remain, and you as well. Kevin, the rest of you, out. Uh, Tyrion eased himself back onto the bench, uh, st- startled and speechless. Sir Kevin crossed the room to the wine cast. Uncle Tyrion called, if you would be so kind. <laughs> um, here, yeah. his father offered him his cup, his wine, which was untouched. Uh, you know, now, That's that shocking. Is, yeah. So Tyrion, Tyrion was, oh, he's kind of, kind of taken aback there. So, uh, Tyrion drinks, um, Lord Tywin seated himself. You have the right about uh, of it about Stark alive. We might have uh, he might have been used used Lord Eddard to forge a peace with Winterfell and Riverrun, a peace that would have given us time to deal with Robert's brothers. See, that's how far ahead Tywin Lannister is. Is he doesn't he? he you mm-hmm. know, I think everyone everyone there is like we got to figure out a way to get Jamie back. Whereas Tywin is already one step ahead, and he's thinking uh we've we've got another issue we've got to worry about too how does this all fit together and that's just you know the the brilliance of tywin lannister yeah yeah it is um yeah he's he's well informed and it's it's weird that none of these other uh members of his air quote council are are thinking about this kind of stuff it's i don't know maybe maybe they don't know that information it's it's information that rob knows later on he figures it out um in, in his chapter, so yeah, I he's he's uh, he's way ahead, and he's realizing that the problem that there is an issue in in King's Landing that is causing him more grief here in mm-hmm. the field because he can't he can't he has no other it's limiting his options, mm-hmm. and that's I think what is ticking him yeah. off. Um, yeah, you know, then uh, he talk he says here. Um, 
you you have to write about it. He says, Joff's only a boy, Tyrion pointed out. At his age, I committed a few follies of my own. His father gave him a sharp look. I suppose we ought to be grateful he has not yet married a whore. Um, you know, Tyrion sips his line, his wine, wondering how Lord Tywin would, you know, look if he flung that cup in his face. Could you imagine? <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah. Tywin would just stand there. I don't think he would do anything. I think he would just stand there and look at him like, "Are you? Are you um, serious?" Like, yeah, I don't know. He's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's something about and he would, about, you, I think you would just say something like, "If you're going to behave like a child, you know, something like that is like how he would, what he would say to him." Yeah, well, he definitely wouldn't make the offer. I mean, he would. He oh would no, abs- that, abs- that, oh, that absolutely. Period. I'm just saying, like, just yeah. You know, obviously, it doesn't happen, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I know. But it's it's yeah, yeah. it's everything that you, like the way you react, even when he puts you in that position, the way you manage and, and, and control yourself is a test. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, by Absolutely, Tywin. yeah. Uh, he goes on. Our position is worse than you know. His father went on. I would have. Uh, it would seem we have a new king. Um, you know the the flainter. Um, uh, Sir Kevin looks. Uh, you know Pollux's uh, a new who. What have they done to Joffrey? Um, the faintest flicker of distaste played across Lord Tywin's thin lips. Nothing yet. My grandson still sits the Iron Throne, but the eunuch has heard whispers from the south. Renly Baratheon wed Marjorie Tyrell at Highgarden this fortnight, um, and now he has claimed the crown. The bride's father and brothers have bent the knee and sworn their swords. So this is where it comes. This is where we start to get um, these other players here. You know, House Tyrell, Storm of Swords, or Clash of Kings, get ready because it is a huge, uh, they're a huge player. They really, I mean, they change change mm-hmm. the game really, um, and, and you know, and Ren and Renly there. So, um, yeah, it's a yeah, it's it, it's a big deal. I mean, it's um, just south of of the Westerlands, right? You've got uh, the Tyrells now are backing completely another king. It's not they're not even pretending to be loyal Absolutely. to King Joffrey, and that's a bordering region that's a big a big deal and, and Tywin's host is not back there and able to um, to do anything really they, they can't even challenge that host and that's part of that's kind of comes into play here with with their uh, decision making um, one thing that's interesting as well is is King Joffrey uh, you know Tyrion asked how's he taking the news well they're not going to tell him the, 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 why, why would you tell King Joffrey about this? I mean, he might actually raise an army and try to go out there and mm-hmm. fight him because he's an idiot. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't he, he doesn't even he doesn't understand numbers or strategy. He, I don't think he would know how much of a ho- how big the host is or would send out riders or scouts. I mean, he's not going to be very well informed. And so Cersei has decided not to tell him because they don't know whether they can trust Joffrey to do the right thing. And this is why. I keep saying he's supposed to have like a regent, right? He's air quote supposed right. to, but his regent, being his mother, isn't doing the greatest of jobs. Now she's just keeping stuff from him, which is fine. That that's actually a good mm-hmm. move, uh, but you know they just don't have a real good grip on him, and and he's not taking any of their counsel. He's not listening to anybody. So, and it's 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 kind of crazy to think that Tywin is going to send Tyrion there. Not that he's going to listen to Tyrion, but that he's. It doesn't really matter if he takes anybody else. He's just literally there to stop him from doing something stupid. And when he comes up with stupid ideas or he wants to do something rash, Tyrion's there just to say no or to find ways to cleverly um, move him in a different direction. 
Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, right here, it's, you know, it's Cersei, uh, you know, has the king, how's the king taken, you know, the, the news? Cersei has not seemed to fit to tell me yet. She fears he might insist on marching Renly himself, you know, with what army says he thinks of leading the city watch. Like that's, yeah, it's just so how stupid he is. Yeah, it's it's dumb. I mean, and they actually go over several of the different things that that he has done uh, that are pretty stupid, as in um, the promotion that that he mm-hmm. gives to yeah, Slint, Slint. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's, he's he's the son of a butcher, and he's just this up jump guy for some reason. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, just because he, I don't know if that's Cersei's doing, maybe or you know, because there was some right. that that goes back to Eddard being captured mm-hmm. and. And uh, Littlefinger, which he mentions as well, he just says the, the king is surrounded by a bunch of incompetent idiots. He just doesn't, he does not know. They all have different agendas, and I yeah. don't know who can be trusted. There's just no real. Right. And this is, you know, and this is the most curious thing, direction. right? When he's talking yeah. about all the, all the things they're facing, he says, um, I have felt from the beginning that Stannis was the greater danger than all the others combined, yet he does nothing. Oh, Varys hears his whispers. Stannis is uh, building ships. Stannis is hiring sellswords. Stannis is bringing a shadow binder from Ashai. What does that mean, if any of it true? Um, and that's, again, as we as we talk mm-hmm. about, is when we get to Clash of Kings, man, it, every, the game changes, right? Because and yeah. that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is... Also, I mean, this is where I give Tywin Lannister some props because he knows that obviously, you know, the one true king in Westeros and the most the most epic battle commander of all time, Stannis Baratheon. Okay, I can't. I just mm-hmm. I can't wait till we get to Stannis chap. You know, chapters that have Stannis in it. I just I I'm know. just I just can't wait. Yep, he's that's your that's your oh, guy. Man, I know that's yeah. your guy. Um. You know, so, so they tell Sir, uh, Sir Kevin to bring the map. Um, you know, Jamie's left us in a bad way. Bruce Bolton and the remnants of the host are north of us. Our enemies hold the twins and Moat Kalen. Rob Stark sits to the west, so we cannot rec- uh, retreat to Lannisport and the Rock unless we choose to give battle. Jamie is taken, and his army, uh, for all purposes, has ceased to exist. Thoros of Mir and Beric Dondarrion. Continue mm-hmm. to plague us for uh, our foraging parties. Uh, to our east, we have the Aarons. Stannis uh, Baratheon sits on Dragonstone. And in the south, Highgarden and Storm's End are calling the banners. And then Tyrion, ha- with his his joke here, take heart, father, at least Rhaegar Targaryen is still dead. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, it's right. bad. You know, and the crazy yeah. thing is, think about, like, you know, at the, it, think about just how, right now, it's like, the Lannisters should almost cease to exist at this point, but somehow it, it all ends up working mm-hmm. out almost, you know, in their in their favor. When you mm-hmm. just look at how bad it, I mean, Balon Greyjoy is yet to has yet to declare that he's going to rebel as well. I mean, that's really the the big thing because that's what slows Rob down. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, and obviously, yeah. you know, the Red Wedding. But um, I mean, that really slows him down. But uh, so yeah. yeah 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 for sure i mean it is it's a it's a wonder that they get out of this and that they that they make it but it's just tywin being a mm-hmm. boss again call, mm-hmm. call him for what he is so he doesn't have any intention of remaining in this particular spot they are kind of caught between you know almost like three armies right now and um he's not too worried about Roose bolton because as we said earlier he's 
he's wary he's someone who is uh he he he's not like big on committing or doing something super rash i mean he's he's more about preservation versus uh, going in here and trying to wipe out Tywin. I don't know he wouldn't take him on um he he doesn't have the he doesn't have the troops right. one actually to to do that on his own but uh he he decides that they that they need to kind of make uh for Harrenhal so they decide to make there and um he tells Kevin that he wants Sir Adam and his outriders to to screen their movements essentially so that way people they they, they can easily they can get there uh undetected unhindered if you will uh says so he has a bunch of different um, men he says give him as many men as, as 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 he needs and then I will have no vanishings right so basically I want to know what's happening I want to know what's going on we've been outmaneuvered once so you're not going to make that same mistake again you should be um, double the guard right you know triple it whatever send out your your outriders your scouts make sure that you've got a larger group out there in case one of them is taken uh, the others can kind of report the location and, and under, we can understand where the enemy is at if you mm-hmm. will so yeah none of this uh none of this really looks uh you know really is good for them um so i mean the the chapter really um after they kind of decide hey let's let's go to um let's let's go let's go out it, re- it really almost ends up just with uh tywin kind of telling Tyrion, okay i'm sending you to king's landing yeah yeah, I mean he's 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 shocked at first, right? Tyrion's shocked that he gets the cup from his father, <laughs> that he that he gets uh, the wine cup, and then uh, he's shocked later on when he realizes that he, when asked why he's going to send him there, I think doesn't Tyrion say something like, or I'm sorry, Tywin says because you're my son, and Tyrion's like you damn fool, like you've given up on the fact that that he's given up Jamie for dead. He just doesn't believe he's going to be able to get him back, and. I don't know that that's the case. I think it's just that he is moving forward and he's doing what he has to do to preserve and put them in the best possible well, position. I think, I think you know? he realizes it's it's tough because we don't really know what Tywin thinks of of Tyrion. Um, like I, we we I I think that Tywin. So part of me always thinks that Tywin knows just how smart Tyrion is. And and so, mm-hmm. I mean, he sends him to King's Landing and you and I've talked about this before is when he ta- he sends him to King's Landing, he says, don't you know, don't take that whore with you. Um, is it like is it like a test for Tyrion and Tyrion, you know, botches it mm-hmm. by actually doing it? Like what would have happened if Tyrion hadn't done it? And I, I don't mean, obviously, the whole Joffrey getting poison thing. I mean, simply like what what Tywin's kind of thoughts on it would have been. Yeah, because well before. Any of that stuff happens with Joffrey. Um, you know, Joffrey picks up on how his how his grandfather and how his his mother interact with with Tyrion. You know, so he he realizes that that's somebody that we can pick on, and so he picks on him. And I think that's really Cersei's fault, and that is Tywin's fault. They're okay with that, and they do it themselves. So whatever. Um, they continue to pick on him, essentially, because he fa- he does fail the test. He does disobey his father and he does bring his uh his air quote his his whore with him to king's landing and so and he was told not to do that i mean i mean tywin is essentially telling him i know i know that you have one and 
I keep tabs on you. It really showed me that he keeps tabs on him and he understands what's going on and he knows everything. Tywin's very well informed. And it's a test that, that Tyrion fails. He does everything else right. I think he would have been looked on in a much better uh, way or light when, 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 when Tywin returns. Versus, you remember when he's injured later on, he just right. sort of uh, has really no, no place. No one thanks him, no one whatever. Uh, you know, and then there's a lesson in and of that, right? Do you need thanks and all that kind of stuff? But I think his treatment would have been a little bit different, but I don't know. Maybe not, maybe not, because maybe maybe Tywin doesn't know right away that he's taking the whore with him, but I kind of think he does. I kind of think he does because, you know, he knew she was at this camp and now she's not at the camp. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> She's she's mm-hmm. gone. She's not with the Lannister host. Yeah, anymore. and do you think why wouldn't she have do you stayed? Think, so do, and do you moved think, with somebody do you think else? Tywin? I, I mean, part of me is like, you know, Tywin's Tywin sends Tyrion there because he realizes I need Tyrion to go at least somewhat control Joffrey, right? And so I can focus on getting Jamie back, and hopefully, maybe he can deal with Stannis. Like, do you? I mean, do you think? Do you think he? Do you think he? Because it's never really said, right? We don't we don't really know like what Tywin thinks, but Tyrion does go defeat Stannis at the Battle of the Blackwater with a with a genius plan, and yeah, well, right, right. I mean, he that's why I brought up earlier like he he talks about like dismissing Barristan Selmy, right? Stupid move, really dumb. His name still carries a bunch right. of honor. It's just good to have. A, he's good to well, have. He's also still you, one of the, he's also still one of the best knights. So, I mean, there's, there's that to, yeah, exactly. And, and people, yeah. And I think some people think, well, he's getting old. So maybe he's not as good as whoever. I think he could have taken Jamie Lannister in his prime and in his old age. Well, he took, he Jamie took, Lannister's he took those, he took he those two knights without a, without a sword. So, I mean, yeah. So, so anyways, it's just like, that's a blunder uh, by Joffrey and by Cersei as well. Uh, she allows that to take place. So there's that. Um, what were some of the other blunders that he did? He, he, he has several, right? I mean, so the whole idea is he's going to send Tyrion there to put an end to that. Like, Cersei's done being... I mean, he's going to rule his hand of the king in, in his father's place, and it's shocking to Tyrion, but it's necessary, and he sees it's about family, and it's about putting them in, in a better in a better position he knows also that Tyrion can't go in there and scold Cersei and kind of turn her into or change how she is running things you know like here's a message from father you need to be doing x y and z and she's not gonna listen to that she'll listen to father if father tells her that but she's not gonna listen to Tyrion so instead no you're just gonna go you're gonna be hand of the king then that's it here's the letter take this it's got my seal my mark all that good stuff and 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 that's a direct sort of like you know order i mean she would have faced consequences i think from tywin if she if he would have just sent you know Tyrion back with a message to cersei and she didn't follow through on the advice given he still would have there have been consequences but now it's like i mean he's coming back and he is the hand of the king so you gotta respect that and that's not something that she i think it shocks her too Mm -hmm. he also probably knows he there needs to be a shock factor uh, and sending him in there because of how he has been treated. I need to do something that's going to make Cersei realize that, you know, you've messed up. You put us in a bad spot. Yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, so go Tyrion, yeah. right? <laughs> and then Tyrion uh, ends up taking Shay to court, and you know, kind of blunder, big blunder move. You know, it's like literally, it's like it's like one last thing he said at the door: "You will not take the whore to court." 
And then literally one paragraph later, uh, I have a mind to take you to King's Landing <laughs> sweetly. <laughs> like, Jerry, come on, it's, man. Like, oh, man. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. That's why we love him so much, you know? I mean, like, it's 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 also a whole other level of excitement right. because he's he's trying to keep her away from everybody else and hiding her and all this stuff, you know? And she doesn't want to be hidden, and it's just craziness. Crazy. So, okay, all right. Well, all hey right, guys, yeah. um, that was the chapter. Uh, did we have a? We do, we do have actually a large um, raven here from Lady Sarah. She hasn't sent us one in 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 a while. Is what she she says here. So this is this one's this one's kind of long, um, and she, it's it's well detailed. She says, "Dear sirs, I uh, it has been too long since I've flown in a raven. The podcast has helped me get through uh, get me through this summer. Let me tell you." I'm currently in the midst of a separation. Oh, wow. That is uh, so sorry. That is so sorry to hear. I am so sorry for that. Uh, um, uh, Both very needed and very painful. Uh, Wrapping up ideas, theories, and thoughts have been a bit cumbersome, and the research does take some time to do properly, as you two know all too well. So after um, almost breaking my brain in A Song of Ice and Fire lore and history, uh, here is my raven um, uh, t- uh, tied up in the neatest bow I could tie. She said, subjects include <laughs> Summerhall, Lineage, Lord Commanders of the Night's Watch, Mance Raider, Brendan Rivers, Rhaegar Targaryen, Rubies, Blue Rose, and Bran. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, uh, oh, get, are, you, are you strapped in, Sir Ezra? I, I honestly uh, just, I'm, I'm like pulling up uh, topics like, right uh, now, getting ready. Okay. So... <laughs> Uh, she has like a timeline here too. So she says, um, "Night's Watch commanders before Blood Raven uh, until Jon Snow. Um, uh, Lord Commander before Brennan Rivers was Jack Muscad, two twenty six AC. Uh, Blood Raven sent to uh, the Wall at two thirty three AC. He's elected uh, Lord Commander two thirty nine, where he is Lord Commander for thirteen years, and he disappears uh, at two fifty two. Um, there are no known Lord Commanders until um, Corgal. Uh, Corgal mm-hmm. is the is the Night's Watch Commander in two eighty eight. So that's about you know thirty years. Um, mm-hmm. Lord Commander after him is Gior Mormont and. Uh, 288 so we just know that he takes uh he takes over um oh i guess we don't actually know we don't know when corgol takes over but just he's he, yeah he's yeah. some he's sometime after blood raven until 288 excuse me um and then john snow takes right. over as uh 300 so then she shifts to another kind of timeline here um mance Raider joined the Night's Watch as a boy. Kind of question mark. We don't necessarily know. Mance comes to Winterfell with Corgol to visit Lord Eddard Stark and his sons Rob and John. Mance then abandons the Night's Watch. Um, there's no years really lifted for Mance's history. Summerhall takes place 259 AC. So here we go. The fire and birth of Rhaegar happened on the same day. Um, parallels to Danny's pyre, uh, pyre with Drogo, the eggs, and the Magi are plain as day. Brennan Rivers had disappeared from his Night's Watch for seven years. At this point, who knows what powers or influential whispers he may have already been putting into place at this point. 
A king, multiple princes, and a lord commander of the Night's Guard were amongst those to die in said tragedy. Yet somehow, Rayla was able to give birth to Prince Rhaegar Targaryen amid the chaos and devastation. Up until his death, air quote, Rhaegar would visit the ruins in, in uh, varying states of melancholy and comfort. Was there a force there whispering words of prophecy and future events to him? Bloodraven. Could Bloodraven have also uh, guided Mance Raider beyond the wall and possibly before? Mance is rumored to either be Arthur Dane or Rhaegar himself. Mance's main objective is to untie the wild folk and head south for safety, not war. Was this an idea of or need of his own to do so? This or was there an outside influence going on to unite all of them? Besides Sir Duncan the Tall, nobody's backstory is as vague or as generic as Mance's. Mance always equaled Sir Arthur Dane to me. Rhaegar always felt too eager to end up being Mance's true identity. Going through Summerhall, Duncan Egg, and deep Bloodraven rabbit holes, it is all clear that Rhaegar Targaryen and Brendan Rivers had a symbi uh, symbiotic uh, re relationship from afar and through supernatural means. Let's go. Okay, that's that's what I'm mm -hmm. saying. The rubies that adorn yeah. Rhaegar's army at the Trident are the reddest flag <laughs> I've ever seen. Red silk from a shy sewn into his black cloak, red on black. Melisandre's glamour of Mance to Rattleshirt would not work without the rubies. The constant need uh, to visit Winterfell. He is presently at Winterfell helping rescue Arya while lurking around the crypts nonstop. And according to Ramsay Bolton, he is now in a cage with the sewn skins of his wives to keep him warm. Uh, that Ramsay sure is inventive, and I don't believe this capture of Mance is true. I agree. What if Mance sent the letter to John under the guise of Ramsay in hopes John would rally his troops to Winterfell? This would put the uh, Northerners and Free Folk uh, south away from the White Walkers uh, slash others and ready to fight in a similar fashion to the show. Uh, Rhaegar Targaryen understood that there was a long game to play. No one including... Uh, not one including bloodlines, dragon heads, and marriages, but one including saving Westeros from an inevitable threat. Rhaegar was heading north in every sense. Blue Roses, um, from a tale of wildling singer making off with Stark daughter to a young dragon prince, crowning Blue Roses on the head of another Stark's daughter and making off with her. Could Rhaegar have seen that the Seven Kingdoms rule was meant to be in the hands of a young Stark, not a Targaryen with generations of lineage behind him? Could he have divulged this to Lyanna, telling her one day her nephew would be king and that they must do all they can to make this possible no matter uh, the price? He must have had a deep knowledge of the Stark family history and the North. For the Blue Roses to hold up such significance would not be lost on Rhaegar. The young prince... Um, Oh, sorry, I just lost my... Oh, uh, the young prince could not do any of this without support and guidance. We would have an idea of the support he received, but not so much of uh, on the guidance. Could the Three-Eyed Crow slash uh, Brennan Rivers slash Bloodraven be the guide? His whispers have traveled from the Mad King, you know, burn them all, to Lord Yor Mormont in the form of his bird, king, and corn, and most importantly to Bran, you will fly. Rhaegar and Bloodraven have been uh, working to protect the future reign of a of Bran Stark, a pre-fellowship, uh, if you will. The line of the Targaryens is insignificant. That's why so many um, surprise ones pop up. 
there there was that's why there was never a sure bet with a queen or king ascending the long um, line. That is why Aegon the Conqueror gave zero fucks about his sister wives uh, getting knocked up when they did. Um, you know, one sister got pregnant with a singer's baby uh, slash Aenys, uh, and the other got pregnant with black magic um, Makor. He knew uh, he needed to unite the kingdoms for a reason beyond passing crowns from one son to another. The path the coming Targaryens sadly followed for generations. I believe this unrest and power mongering caused uh, caused to evil powers to stir and awaken. Um, Daenerys, the uh, or Daenys, the Dreamer. Um, uh, dreamt of the old doom of Valyria and the Targaryens set sail to Westeros soon thereafter. The same doom has been encircling Westeros for 300 years, inevitable and close now. The only hope to save it includes a young Stark um, with eventually no power to procreate, die, or invoke any bias, uh, biases or nepotism into his rule. The opposition has been decaying uh, the Seven Kingdoms for far too long, just as it did in old Valyria with its unbalanced hierarchy, slavery, etc. The doom is the apathy of the people, um, the darkness of heart, and the corruption of innocence. Creatures manifest and appear with these core values, both in supernatural and human form. Rhaegar, dead or alive, understood this inherently. From his birth to adulthood, where uh, he was a witness to the uh, despicable ways of entitlement, special favors, and uh, grudge-induced sights those in power uh, thrive on. And all has to do. All one has to do is look back at the Targaryens, um, you know, that, that gotten lost. Rhaegar made it clear no more. Change is coming in a radical new shape. He even mentioned to Jamie he will fill him in the next time they saw each other, but he never did. And Jamie went on to push Bran out of a window to protect the safety of his own corrupted line of children. A line of bastard children passed off uh, as the kings, uh, just like so many that had been before them. A push, a whisper, a dream is all one needs to see outside of the reality that they have created for themselves. Rhaegar Targaryen is a shining example of that. He lost love, children, and his life to save the Seven Kingdoms, not only the eventual destruction of the White Walkers, but also the vile uh, politics humanity has created for itself. It seems through certain Targaryens throughout history have been custodians for this type of change in elevated thinking perhaps all it comes down to is the toss of a coin a coin that it places you on one side of sanity and level-headedness or um insanity and madness and all we and all we and all that can go 50 50 wow you know something interesting i've thought about this uh egg on the conqueror and um his sister wives right his uh his wives they really, I mean, does he have any offspring? Egg on the Conqueror. I mean, are are any of those, you know, Aenys and right? And, are they and, uh, are they Acor, actually his? Are, are they actually his? Yeah, I mean, that's people have I've I've read that and and read it in other places too. People have thought the same thing that perhaps they weren't, and you know, they're still Targaryens, right? They're born from Targaryen women, and and so this line. Uh, is there, but it's it's already kind of starting off on a on a bad, on a, a bad seed, whatever. And you've got uh, Jamie Lannister, so that connection to Jamie and his bastard children and stuff is interesting. Thought that was cool. Um, back to the beginning of this though, the whole bit about Rhaegar possibly being Mance Raider, mm-hmm. right? Um, or 
Sir Arthur Dane. Both those were kind of tossed up there as possibilities. Uh, the glamour, the rubies. What is, is there? Something it'd be basically this is a, this is a tie back to Summerhall. And did Blood Raven uh, see something? No, know of something, and impacted um, Rhaegar during those times. Uh, we actually we haven't done it yet. We're about to record our uh, Heron Hall Part Three, and that comes up again. There's actually a belief. There's some theory out there that Summer Hall is a place that perhaps Lyanna and Rhaegar stopped at. In, in in that whole theory. So, yeah, I think Blood Raven could have been influencing and could have been whispering to him, and that could have been a part of the sudden change in him. Uh, and, and maybe he did foresee a, a need to kind of end this Targaryen, um, I don't know, line and, and start uh, start a new line or, or, or look for uh, a new individual who would rise and, and be... right. Not the savior, but you know, what would essentially free the realm from the darkness that's coming. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's what it could be that that breaks the wheel, right? Is Yeah. It's really interesting. It's it's a really interesting thing because it's not it's it's a prophecy um that Lady Sarah is breaking down here, but it it does it's not just, oh, we gotta find a way to defeat the White Walkers. It's no, we gotta find a way to stop, you know, we defeat the White Walkers because you know, pulling from the show, it's almost like, I mean, Cersei's not even worried about them. I mean, whether or not she thinks they're real or not. Um, and that it's just interesting because it's, it's like, that's not even the real darkness, right? It's like, it's, it's our, it's our corruption. It's our whatever. It's almost like, you know, as a society, we need to become more like enlightened, right? You know, like you think back in our own human history, like the enlightenment, all these new kind of ideas and, stuff like that and it's just interesting yeah. it's a really 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 interesting um you know uh idea here um yeah and, and she and there's, there's she, she makes a lot of points here it's 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 kind of um it's just wow it's, it's all it's all super interesting well i think when one of the biggest takeaways too because we've talked about man's raider being Rhaegar, and uh she talks about the idea that there would be a desire for why why is man's why does he want to visit Winterfell? Uh, if, if he were Rhaegar, there'd be significance there. There'd be a, a reason why in his old age he would want to go visit and see Eddard Stark's children, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there'd be a reason he'd want to go check in there and, and, and see what was happening and why he would take special note of John. So that was cool. That's that's an interesting... Whether he, and if he's Arthur Dane, same thing, actually. I mean, that would there's a reason why... Right. Mance wants to come down to Winterfell and, and take a look. I mean, it's also the closest place you could argue. It's a, just, you know, if you're part of the Night's Watch or even if you're uh, a wildling king beyond the wall at that time, it's a, it's a place where you can go and check out and see and, and understand the culture and stuff. You know what's weird, though, is about Mance Raider is that when he does come down and kind of pretend to be a bard and, and is is there in Winterfell, it's almost like he... He already knows if he's been raised south of the wall. He kind of understands the layout, the culture. He he gets he gets what it be what what, what it's like to be a, a kneeler, if you will. And so, why does he come down? Why does he come down to see? You know, yeah. What, what, just what to, just why to visit see. Winterfell? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just to just to see if he could. Yeah, I I love I love the idea of Mance 
um, being Rhaegar or Arthur Dayne. To me, I still feel like there's there's a lot more validity to it with with him being Rhaegar than than Arthur Dayne. Um, mm-hmm. That's yeah. I just I don't know. I just I just I I, I just like the idea of Rhaegar being alive and. Um, the show did show us, you know, Arthur Dane being killed. Of course, the language used is, you know, like save for, for, mm-hmm. for Hall and Reed, and maybe they have a discussion. And there's, there's definitely stuff that happens in the books. Obviously, you know, like is, uh, you know, Septim Lamore, you know, she, um, Shardane, you know, all the, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I've always, you know, been a big fan of the Mance Radar is Rhaegar theory. Yeah. Uh, that would be, I mean, uh, yeah, the, like, I don't know. It's still all kind of twisted, and I think we, we get, we're gonna obviously, we, you know, the series not over. We need more clues and and things, but there's there's enough clues that people have started to kind of make uh, references there. I mean, the the one that we went over, it's been oh, gosh months ago, but we we found just a crap ton of of quotes uh, when Corin Halfhand is taking John, uh, and that they're scouting right, and mm-hmm. the the dawn, right. the morning. You know the well. Okay, hear me, hear me out on this, right? So yeah. let's say, for example, this is kind of a hypothetical. Um, let's say that I mean, there's only so much. There's only there's only so much text left, right? That Gur can write, right? I mean, there's only yep. there's two books, right? Yeah. So you know, again, this is what we talked about kind of before. With now that we've seen some stuff in the show, how do we get there in the books? So. This could be something that would be cool, right? Um, is so in the show, Mance Raider dies. John like saves him, right? He shoots him, so he's still alive. So you have to figure out something to do with him. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't believe Mance Raider will survive the series. But you know, Mance Raider, you know, is he talked about going hanging out down in the crypts and 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 stuff like that. So if Ramsey Bolton um, does have him, and somehow we still have to get to John. And, and Sansa, you know, teaming up to take back Winterfell, right? Because um, that the battle that seems like it does def, does definitely gonna, is going to happen. Well, what if John goes there, defeats Ramsay Bolton, and then it's almost kind of like with Agret, right, where he's kind of walking around afterwards and then finds her. Um, mm-hmm. Well, what if like the same thing happens, but he finds Mance Raider and Mance Raider's injured, and he's like down in the crypts, like next to Lyanna's tomb, and he doesn't necessarily say much. But he just, kind of, but he, just, you know what I mean. But yeah. he just kind of dies there, and like, oh. you know what I, you know what I mean, like, oh, sir. So man. it just like it just like alludes to like bigger things, you know. I just think that'd be super cool, and that would be a way to oh, that'd, be, that'd be a way to not necessarily give it away, because we're just in yeah, this, you don't we're, we're just thing. in this really odd position where the show is, you know, the show show's over, and we we may or we may not know the story. And so that would be a, a, a way to do it that's different that still doesn't necessarily give it away because yep. it could still be something totally different. But I just think it'd be super cool. I think because you still have all these characters you have to do stuff with. You have to like yep. that there's these extra characters you can't just say forget and let's just make it the same as the show. So you've got to kind of weave them in and things are going to be different. The outcome can be the same, but mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was good. I mean, that's that's some of the stuff that we we a couple months ago were talking about that uh, our guide, our map that we're kind of working on that you and I are, are developing ideas. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I mean, it's like two plus two equals four, mm-hmm. but five minus one also equals four. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's like how you get there is 
is is you know the same so yeah yeah right and that's what we're trying to kind of pencil together and and if you're thinking about a way to to make it not a big deal because you yeah, like all, the the crazy thing about Mance Raider is he's mentioned right out the gate he was a thought that George had oh immediately, immediately when he was writing the series first chapter yeah so <clears throat> people forget that he's actually mentioned like he's actually mentioned like five times in the first like three or four chapters yes. So I think when people wonder what the heck are we talking about, Mance Raider didn't come up to, well, because he's been mentioned quite often, and he's a threat at first. We think he's a threat, but really the threat is what he's running from. And then who is he? Then you start to as um yeah as as we learn here in this Raven from Lady Sarah that there's like not much detail on him, not much background. We don't really get it. Did he just is it is it literally just as simple as he uh, what was a part of the night's watch and decided to, Hey, I'm screw this. You know, I fell in love with, uh, with the wildling and I'm going north of the wall or, or is there, is there more to it? Um, and, and we, we can, we can't even really believe the story that he was brought there as a boy. I mean, maybe he was, maybe he was brought there as a boy. Maybe he wasn't, maybe he came there as a man. Um, no one really talks much about him. So he's, he's a huge, he's a huge, huge mystery. And so I, if he ended up by Liana's tomb and, and he was, like almost like holding it or leaning up against it or whatever, that would be absolutely crazy. You wouldn't have to say anything else. I just, I just think, it'd, I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be a super cool way. Yeah. Of doing it. And then like, it doesn't necessarily, it's not in your face, but it's not in your face. It's a subtle way to do it. Cause you still have more to tell later. Cause yeah. you know, whether it's Bran or, you know, Sam or, or something or Highland Reed, something like that. I think it's gonna be a cool way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And and yeah, thanks to Lady Sarah because this is this is cool. And it's I was looking back. That's at the, amazing. That's yeah. That timeline, trying to figure out you know when Summer Hall's in two fifty nine, and then looking at the dispute. And I'm with her. I, I I've said before, and I think I yeah, I definitely think there's some validity to the idea. Um, you know that that Blood Raven somehow communicated with Rhaegar. Um, you know it's possible too that Blood Raven knew that at some point Jamie Lannister. And maybe even Rhaegar knew it. So at some point, Jamie Lannister is going to push Bran Stark out the window. Yeah, I mean, we're yeah. When you start talking about the whisperings, it's like how much, mm-hmm. how much was he talking to Rhaegar, if if any? Because right now, it doesn't seem like he's he's talking to people through dreams and stuff, you know. So there's the whisperings, there's the nudges in these different directions, but there's never like real explicit kind of instructions. Do this, do that, do this. You know, it's just give somebody a vision, give them a dream. And then set them on this path. So, yeah, I don't know. It's maybe it was more detailed back then, but it's. Mm-hmm. I definitely think something was happening between those two, and plus having being blood related, and both being sensitive to uh, green sight or green dreams or dragon dreams or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it it makes a lot of sense that it would happen. And then you know the fact that he goes back and visits Summerhall too. I mean, obviously, it's a tragedy, place where he's born, but. There's a lot more there. A lot more. So, yeah. All right. Well, cool. Awesome. Yeah, that, so, that is cool. a little Thank taste you. of... Thank you very much. Yeah, that, that's a taste of what we may be doing more with. That's what Raven's Nest was kind of kind of like. We, you know, could take us in all sorts of different uh, directions. So, I guess as we, you know, go forward after a Game of Thrones, it's, we're hoping to get more Ravens like that. We're hoping to pull out some of the old theories and... And uh, go back over them and see now, knowing what we know in the show, how they tie together. Sir Matt? That's great. That was a great, Raven. Um, yeah. 
I'm just thinking about it all now. Just like all the, all the different, all, all the different scenarios. You're gonna be thinking so, about it for okay. days. I am. Yeah, I'm like we we may have to come back and revisit that Raven actually. So, okay. uh, anywho, um, it is kind of time here to uh, close up shop and uh, say farewell, Sir Ezra. Uh, we want to thank you guys for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 70, John 9. Yep, absolutely. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming.